It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast and video log. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've been enjoying this, go ahead and share this video with a friend. Share this podcast with a friend. Say, hey, Greek for the Week. Come on. It's Wednesday. It's Greek for the Week. I want to make a very special announcement. I've been saying this on social media. On September 9th, my book, Letters from Jesus, uh, 50 studies, 52 studies from the seven churches of Revelation will be coming out. So if you're a Greek for the Weeker, if you enjoy Greek for the Week, I want you just to go ahead and get behind the book, support it, say, hey, I'm going to get behind Reverend Palmer's book, and I'm going to be doing some studies. We're going to be sharing it. We're going to be talking all about it. We're really going to get into the subject of the seven churches of Revelation. You know, I've done some surveys on Instagram, and I have discovered that there are people, uh, plenty of them, that didn't even know that Jesus addressed seven churches in the book of Revelation. He talked to them. He addressed them. We think sometimes that the, the words of Jesus end in Acts chapter 1 when he ascends into heaven. And that's it. But we hear again from Jesus in the book of Revelation. And uh, if you have a red letter edition Bible, if you go to Revelation 2 and 3, you will see those words in red from Jesus. He's speaking again. He's talking. This is the last thing that he leaves us with. You know, I wrote this book because um, Revelation is how the Bible ends. Currently, I'm working on my PhD proposal, and I'm working in the book of Revelation. I'm being so blessed by it. You know, oftentimes we think Revelation is this book on left behind and... (laughs) You know, and that stuff's good. You know, I'm, I no, make no criticism about it. If you like it, praise God. If it ministers to you, glory to the Lord. It's preaching Jesus. But there's a lot more in Revelation than just whether we're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. We, we, we can get past these discussions and have more fruitful conversations in the book of Revelation and not even and, and really just kind of move around these without even picking them up to touch them. Um, we can have real fruitful conversations in Revelation. This book won't even get into those things. It's going to show you things of Revelation, about Revelation that maybe you haven't seen before. So we want you to, to get on board with it. You can pre-order it in, um, when's it going to be? In uh, July. You'll be able to start pre-ordering in July or August, excuse me, August, beginning of August. I'll talk more about it then. But Letters from Jesus coming in September, all right? 2 Timothy 1.16. 2 Timothy 1.16, we're going to go there today. Oh, and if you're someone that's not from America, USA, you'll be able to get it on Amazon wherever, wherever you're at. I'm sure you'll still be able to get it. 2 Timothy 1.16, I want to talk to you today about are you a breath of fresh air to other people? When you come into the room, do people say, hey, Chris, he's here, or oh no, Chris is here. <laughs> Big difference, right? And the Word of God has a value on the type of presence that you have when you're around people. Now. Now, I saw something floating around the IG, the gram the other day that I thought was cool. It says, sometimes you have to realize you're the toxic person. (laughs) Ouch. You know, we talk about all these toxic people. Are you toxic or do you give a life? And I can tell you there's people I know that are toxic. And there's people I know who are a breath of fresh air and revive me. Now, I hope that I'm a breath of fresh air to people and not toxic. That people aren't avoiding me like they're avoiding the plague. Um, because I think when you're a breath of fresh air, it shows that you have an ongoing relationship with Jesus and an ongoing relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's just one thing to be saved. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But no one likes to be around you because you're not being rejuvenated day by day by the Word of God. It says that we are washed by the water of the Word of God. The Word of God is not washing us and cleansing us and hydrating us. 
There are some Christians that have nothing to give because they're not hydrated by the Word of God. There's, you can't even wring an ounce of faith out of them. You can't wring an ounce of belief out of them. You can't wring an ounce of encouragement out of them because they're so dehydrated. They don't have God's Word in their life on an ongoing basis. But then there's some Christians, they drink the Word of God, they think about the Word of God, they prefer the Word of God. They're not listening to all sorts of stupid stuff on YouTube. They're listening to the Word. They're getting it in them in the morning. They actually like it. I can tell you, the more that you put yourself around something, the more you're going to be able to like it, the more you'll get used to it, the more you'll long for it, the more you acquire a taste for it. And that's how it is with God's Word. Here in USA, we have LaCroix water. And, you know, at first, I was like, hey, if there's nothing else to drink, I'll drink LaCroix. Now, when I go to the store, I have to buy it. I stock up on it. I love LaCroix. When I leave the house, I take a LaCroix with me. Just love it. I got used to it, and it keeps me hydrated. That's the Word of God. So, when you're that type of person, you'll be a refreshing to other people. We see this in 2 Timothy 1.16. This is what Paul says. Now, remember, let's talk about 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is the last we hear from Paul. Now, Paul's first letter that he wrote was 1 Thessalonians. His last letter is 2 Timothy. The Bible's not organized chronologically. So we think we're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. Mark was written first. John was written last. Matthew and Luke in the middle. So, you know, we're not chronologically reading here. Second Timothy is the last we hear of Paul. After this, he's gone. He dies. He's, he is. He dies after this imprisonment. He is in prison two and some people say three times, okay? And he's in house arrest when he wrote Ephesians, house arrest when he wrote Philippians. Uh, when I was in Rome, I went to the place where it's believed, where his house arrest was at. When I was in Rome, I also went to where he was at in the Mamertine prison, Mamertime, they say, in Rome. And that's right next to the Forum, right next to the Colosseum. There's a church, of course, on top of where they believe the Apostle Paul was in prison. This was supposed to be the exact location. Whether it is or it isn't doesn't make a difference. It was close to there. Now, he, when I went down there, it was, it was nasty. And I will tell you, if you are someone that is, I don't want to say afraid, but you don't like closed spaces, you have claustrophobia. You wouldn't like it. It's very small. It's no. It's just about as small as the office that I'm in right now. There's a hole on the top where you can see what's going on. You go down there. It's dark. It's dank. It's stunk. Even being down there, after they've preserved it, it still smelled. This was the Mamertine prison where Paul was being held, and this is where he is dictating this letter to Timothy. It's amazing to me that Paul, in the midst of his suffering, remembers other people. How important is that? That when we're in a time where things aren't going right, we often think about ourselves. But Paul in prison, look what he says. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. He's not thinking just about himself. Woe is me. I ended up here in prison. I was just trying to preach the gospel, and here I am in prison. What did I do wrong? Nope, he's thinking about the household of Onesiphorus. Then he says something really, really special. And he says, For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant, uh, may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And of course, Paul is comparing him to someone like Damas. Damas, he rejected Paul. He didn't want anything to do with Paul because Paul was in chains. It was an embarrassment. Hey, Damas, you're from Thessalonica. What you doing here in Rome? Oh, I'm here because I have a friend in prison and I'm attending to him. He's one of those Christians. 
That would have been embarrassing. So he left. Demas left. He didn't want anything to do with Paul, but he said, hey, Onesiphorus, when he got to Rome, he didn't leave me. He came looking for me. Now, they didn't have GPS back then. They didn't have iPhone. They didn't have text messages. He didn't know where Paul was. Not like there was a sign that says, the great apostle Paul is here in the Mamertine prison. Come see him. No, he had to look near and far. He put his life at risk. And he says that when, when Paul says he found him, he says, Onesiphorus refreshed me. Now, the Greek word refreshed, okay, we'll get to that in a second, but the way the construction it is, in the 16th, uh, let's see, before he often, verse number 16. Okay, so in the Greek it says, may, for me, that's the Greek word for me, and then it says, anesuken, anesuken, may anesuken, or me, he refreshed. The reason why he puts may in the beginning is because he wants to emphasize it was me that he refreshed. I was the one. Paul was emphasizing himself. If he's emphasizing how he was refreshed, it means that Paul was probably extremely discouraged. He was down and out. He was sad. He, I mean, you would have been. It's dark. I, I was down there, I think, 12 minutes probably. I took a few pictures for Instagram. It's on my Instagram. You can go look at it. Scroll down. You'll see when I was in Rome. I feature it in there. I give you a whole thing about it. <clears throat> and he says that he refreshed me. Now, the Greek word here, to be refreshed, anesuken, refers to a cool breath of fresh air. Now, we know this as Michiganders, what a cool breath of fresh air feels like, because all winter long, we're stuck in our houses, and the air gets stale. We're running the heater. That air starts to get stale. It doesn't circulate. You know, you got that air running through, and then the springtime comes. Oh, the first sunny day is wonderful. The sun comes out. And you can hear the birds and the frogs and all. It's mating season. Oh, it's just fantastic. And you open the window and that air just goes right through, starts pushing all that foul, exposed air out. And your house starts to smell again like there's life going on. This was what Paul said on his forest. His visit was like. And if you think about it, Paul was down in that prison. He hadn't seen light. He hadn't smelled anything good for the longest time. Everything had reeked. He couldn't. It was disgusting. It was a sewer. All he smelled was sewage and human waste. And then suddenly, Onesiphorus comes for a visit. And Paul said, it was a breath of fresh air for me. And you know something? This word also referred to the process of healing that would take place when someone had a wound. When someone had a wound in those days, they, the surgeon performed the surgery, and like today, they would, after the surgery, leave that wound exposed to the air so that air and the oxygen could get to it and begin the mending process and cause the healing to take place quicker. Onesiphorus' presence brought healing to the Apostle Paul. And you know something? You think about it. What he had mentioned just previously in this chapter, he said that uh, in verse number 15, all in Asia turned away from me among who are uh, Phrygelius and Hermogenes. And later talks about Damis. But here comes Onesiphorus. Paul was upset. He was sad. All these people had left him. And then here comes Onesiphorus. And it heals Paul from the hurt that he had from people that have left him. Now, I'm a pastor. There's people that have left my church. And, you know, I'm not trying to just keep people. You're stuck here forever. I understand God moves people forward. God moves people in. God moves people out. And, and 
we're not as pastors just the only pastor you may ever have. God, Jesus is the chief pastor. And and why people come, I do my best. Pastor them, take care of them. If they move on, you know something? Let's find out where you're going. And you want them to have a good experience. But there's times people have come and they've left mad and upset. They don't tell you when they're leaving. They're angry. You do your best to help them. Maybe you fall a little bit short and they're upset. It, it, and it hurts. It hurts. And that could be anything. I, that's how I relate as a pastor. Could be if you're a mother. Could be if you're a father. You, you do your best to raise your kids. They leave. They don't. They disrespect you. Whatever it may be. You're an employer. You take your shirt off your back to give to your employees, and then they still complain about you. Whatever it may be. Paul understood that, but yet Onesti Forrest came, and he refreshed him because his presence brought refreshing. And you know something? You can be like Onesti Forrest today. You can be a refreshment to people when you come around them. Your presence brings them healing. Your presence brings to them hydration. They haven't, they, they've had toxic relationships your whole life, yet when you show up, you encourage somebody to move forward and to continue the plan that God has for their life. You're an encouragement to them. That's how you want to be as a Christian, that when you show up, people say, hey, they're here to refresh me. That's the question. And if you're not like that, if you're, you're toxic and you show up, ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength so that you can change and bring refreshing to people and bring his life where it's needed when people are in dark circumstances, okay? That's God's challenge for you today. I want to challenge you and ask that you ask the Holy Spirit about being a person who brings refreshing. You lift people up wherever they may be, okay? Thank you so much for tuning in today. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend. Say, hey, Greek for the week. He's coming out with a book. I promise you, I really put my best into the book. And I think, I think you're going to be blessed by it. I know it's Greek. I know some people say it's all Greek to me and stuff. I, I made it very simple, but yet kept the depth to it. It's a really good balance of deep and practical. You're going you're gonna to love it. It's going to bless your life. It's anointed by God, and I believe it will be a blessing to you, okay? So share this podcast with a friend, and we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless, and good studying. Thank you.